Pastor Xavier Reese and imparting the truth. All the warnings, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, against departing from the Lord are to who? The believer. Why? Because the non-believer is lost. You don't warn him, you evangelize him. You tell him to repent from his sins so they're born again. But the believer who's born again is warned not to depart. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. You don't get your medical advice from the local grocer, and you wouldn't go to your doctor to get your car repaired. Why? Because that's not their calling. Well, there's even more danger in attending a church that has strayed away from the whole counsel of the Word of God. Let's join Pastor Xavier in the book of 1 Timothy for today's important Bible study on staying true to the Word of God. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. The message is entitled, Departure from the Faith. Let me read verse 1. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctors of demons. The person revealing the apostasy is given to us. The period and people affected by the apostasy then follows. And then the perversion in the apostasy, it's all here. The person revealing the apostasy, now the Spirit expressly says... First of all, the Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. It's God speaking. Now notice, secondly, the period affected by the apostasy. That in the latter times, some will depart from the faith. Now the phrase, latter times, is found only one time in the New Testament, as well as in the Old Testament. The Old Testament passage is Daniel 8, 23, only two times. The word latter, as you can tell by the word itself, it means that which comes after. The word times is kairos. Chronos, we get our word chronology from. It means running time, linear time. And a marked out place there. This is kairos, like the summer. It's a set season in the 12 months. Kairos. The phrase means the seasons that will come after. It is in the plural notice. They will occur from time the time. This is not a one-time event occurring from time to time throughout the last days, known as the latter time. A willful turning away from the truth of the gospel. The ultimate apostasy, as we studied it, remember, is 2 Thessalonians 2.3. In that text, the article is found. The apostasy of all apostasies while the departure here in Timothy has no article in the Greek. It is just one of many to come that will climax in the final apostasy. You understand what I'm saying? Okay? Now notice, secondly, that the phrase is different and distinct from the phrase, the last days. Don't confuse them. The last day encompasses the period from the first coming of the Lord to the second coming. And the latter times are epics that fit in this period of time. All right? The last days will have mockers in the last times who will walk according to their own ungodly lusts. Jude verse 18 tells us that. 
And the word therefore times is chronos in the linear running time of the last days. Notice thirdly that the phrase applies to people affected by the apostasy. The two are tied together. The people are identified by the word some. The heresy had come from the leadership from within. Those that Paul had prayed over, disciple, cried over, and warned. And he prophesied that they were going to lead people astray in Acts 20, 28, and 29. It had come to pass. Don't ever think because you have a pastor that loves the word and teaches the word that heresy can't ever be raised up from within the body. You can't have a better pastor than Paul, Timothy, and then the beloved John at Ephesus. And look what happened to that church. It should be a warning to all of us. Notice fourthly, the phrase some will depart from the faith creates a problem with some from the human perspective in their unbalanced understanding of what is called eternal security by five-point Calvinist. The departure from the faith is the outcome of the exercise of one's own free will to choose. Joshua 24, 15 says, choose you this day whom you're going to serve. And all through the scriptures, God gives you a free will to choose. Which of us sitting here would be bold enough to think that they could not commit sexual sin? Or lie? Or steal? Now, as Christians, we don't do it because we exercise our will to obey and to resist. But the potential, the capacity is in you and is in me. Your free will is never, ever removed. Now, the scriptures are very clear that some who appear to depart were never born again in the faith. Very, very clear. 1 John 2, 18 and 19. They were not of us, for if they were of us, they would remain with us, but they went out of us to demonstrate they were not of us. Okay? Very, very clear. Some depart. They smell like Christians, look like Christians, act like Christians, talk like Christians, but they weren't Christians. This is always an absolute possibility when someone departs from the faith, but not the only one. There are three groups indicated here. The faithful believers, those who are now departing from the faith, and the false teachers. Don't make it only two categories. There are three that are mentioned in the letter. The faithful, the ones walking away, and the false teachers. The scriptures are equally clear that there are some that do depart or stray from the faith having known the truth. Paul says in chapter 1, verse 19 and 20, he speaks about Hymenaeus and Alexander who made shipwreck of the faith and delivered them unto Satan that they learned not to blaspheme. Listen, to be shipwrecked, you have to be in the stinking ship. All right? You had a point of departure, you had a point of embarkment, and they didn't make the destination. Paul doesn't say they were never born again. Not only that, why is Paul turning them over to Satan? He said that they learn not to blaspheme. How is Paul treating them? He's treating them as Christians. That they not go too far. What's the purpose for it? That they be restored. He's not praying that they be saved. He's saying that they be restored. Don't, don't, don't write these guys off as those who were never born again. These guys were leaders in the church. If you walk away, I'm not going to try to figure out whether you were born again really. 
or whether you're walking away from the faith. What I'm going to do is I'm going to call you to repentance because that's God's department. I can't read your heart. So I'm not going to get into that. I'm, not, I'm unqualified for that. But I better not be so presumptuous to say that you were never born again. I know people who were born again and they were used by God and gifts of the Holy Spirit were manifested and today they're full-blown heretics. They're living with women. They're depraved. I want you to listen to the very words of Jesus, okay? These are his words. And we're going to do good inductive Bible study. We're going to let the text speak for itself and not try to insert our own interpretation. In Luke 12, 47 and 48, you know the parable there. He speaks of the servants, okay? He says in verse 47 and 48, Jesus said, And the servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. Let me ask you a question. The servant who knew his master's will, who does that identify? Does that identify a non-believer? No. But he who did not know that's a non-believer. Yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with few. For everyone to whom much is given from him, much will be required. And to whom much has been committed to him, they will ask the more. Listen, this is not only talking about a Christian who walks away knowing God and his will. But it's talking about degrees of punishment in hell. And the person who knew his master and turns away from it, to him, even though he didn't do things worse than the non-believer, to him will be given greater judgment because the greater light has been in his possession. Let the text speak for itself. If you don't like it, change your theology to line up with the scriptures. The focus on man's free will. Once again, Jesus, and this is a favorite scripture of Calvinists, John 10, 27, 29. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I will give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of their hand, or my Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hands. And they emphasize those things all the way through. Now, let it speak for itself. Don't read into it. The focus is on God's ability to protect and keep the person from anyone, snatching them out of his hand. But it is not saying anything about man's free will, which he can exercise. It's saying to the believer, you can have confidence in me that if you walk with me, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to protect you. No one's going to snatch you out. But it's not talking about your own free will. Who in this auditorium thinks that they can't go back into the world? <laughs> I thank God for God's grace. The focus on man's free will without any contradiction to predestination. This verse is not teaching that they were never born again. In fact, it's teaching just the opposite. All the warnings, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, against departing from the Lord are to who? The believer. Why? Because the non-believer is lost. You don't warn him. You evangelize him. You tell him to repent from his sins so they're born again. But the believer who's born again is warned not to depart. You got two burning buildings. One is the hospital. The other one's the morgue. Who do you go and warn? 
The live ones. God warns us who are alive. And he gives birth to the dead. We, start, we need to start asking some right questions to our text. And not keep repeating the same old questions through tradition so that we are feel secure in our own little sin. In our own little flakiness. We need to be stretched and challenged and read the reality of the scriptures. For anyone to believe that a person who has exercised their free will to be saved and rationally think that a person no longer has to continue to exercise their will in the process of salvation is presumptuous and unbiblical, contradicting the proclamation of Jesus that unless we abide in him, he will cut us off like the branch and cast us to the fire in John 15, 4 through 6. Very simple, very clear. A parable is taking something you do know, putting it next to what you don't know, so in knowing what you do know, you'll know what you don't know. A vine, they knew. A guy went out there. Those that had grapes, he left. Those that were dried, he cut. And then Jesus makes the application. So are you. If you don't abide in me, I cut you off and cast you into the fire. Pretty scary, isn't it? Do we worry about our salvation? Listen, I've been born again 27 years. I've never worried about my salvation. You know why? I abide in Christ. I keep my accounts short. I stay in the word. I stay in prayer. I stay accountable. I confess my sin. I enjoy my Lord and Savior. I don't take R&Rs. There are hundreds and thousands of people sitting in church today believing the doctrine of eternal security on their way to hell. I don't even like the word security. You know why? It's not biblical. I like the word assurance. Peter gives it to us. How can you be assured of salvation? If you find all these things in your life, you're assured you're saved. If they're not, you better turn. It's real simple. The period affected by the apostasy are seasonal times between the first and the second coming of Christ. Now notice third and last. The perversion in the apostasy. Giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of what? Demons. Now notice first, the method of the perversion is through deceiving spirits. The source is satanic in its origin. Paul has already mentioned the satanic influence and attack on the present. In chapter 2, verse 14, chapter 3, verse 6 through 7, some have already gone away to Satan, following them, okay? These are fallen angels. Demons are nothing but angels that are fallen. There are fallen spirits who go around to entice men and women with air. The instrument of the deception is man. Paul is warning the Ephesian elders in Acts 20, remember? That they would lead people astray themselves. Here's the fulfillment of it. The warning is to Christians, not to unbelievers. For Satan can transform himself into an angel of light. 2 Corinthians 11, 1 through 4 and 13 through 14. The possibility of being led away is to the Christian clearly. Let me read you something real, real fast here. 2 Peter 3.17. 2 Peter 3.17. He says, You therefore, beloved, who's he talking to? Christian. Since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the air of the wicked. The truth being taught, as the Holy Spirit works through us, demons work through a man. That's what he's teaching here, okay? Here's the contrast. We are exhorted to pray. 
constantly. We are exhorted to try the spirits and to see if they're of God in 1 John 4, 1 and 6. We can examine and find out how. By what they say, you got to know the word of God. We are told very clearly that when believers act contrary to the word of God, the influence is earthly, sensual, and demonic in James 3.15. C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Screwtape Letters, if you have never read it, read it. It's great. It depicts a conversation between Satan and one of his fallen angels called Wormwood. Good name. In one of the occasions he records, listen to him, okay? Our policy for the moment is to conceal ourselves. Of course, this has not always been so. We are really faced with a dilemma. When the humans disbelieve in our existence, we lose all the pleasing results of direct terrorism and we make no magicians. On the other hand, when they believe in us, we cannot make them materialists or skeptics. At least, not yet. I have great hopes that we shall learn in due time how to emotionalize and mythologize their science to such an extent that what is, in effect, a belief in us, though not under the name, will creep in while, while the human mind remains closed to belief in the enemy. What a depiction of today's society. You believe in demons? Ah, no. They believe in E.T.? But they don't believe in demons. Here's the fulfillment of Wormwood's conversation with Satan. As long as people believe in demons and fallen angels, then they draw close to God. This whole society of ours has explained God away. And they're open to demonic activity in a way of never before. Another reason, America's opened her doors to everybody, particular in this last 30, 20 years, a lot of the Asian community brings in a lot of their Buddhist worship, a lot of the Indian culture and all that. And they're being propagated to our children in the schools as culturally, relatively intolerant because we can learn from everybody something. So they teach what my heritage is of the Aztecs who cut the heart while a person's alive because, you know, we got something to learn from them. They were barbarous. What do we have to learn from that? It's idiotic. Our educators today are educated beyond their intelligence. What an accurate picture of our society. Listen, behind idolatry, there are demons, the scripture tells us. Leviticus 17, 7, Deuteronomy 32, 17, Psalm 106, 36 and 37, and 1 Corinthians 10, 20. Many of the appearances of religious figures to their followers are demon impersonations of their dead loved ones sometimes. Angels. Or Mary, who appears on everything from statues that cry and bleed to appearing on a tortilla. <laughs> I'm not making it up. Second John 7 through 11 tells us they're not of God. They're demons, okay? They're demons. Satan, as well as his angels, can be turned into ministering spirits of light. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. How are you going to know then? If you know the word of God, then you can discern who's speaking to you. The apostle Paul told the Galatians that even if an angel come to them or the apostles and preach another doctrine, another gospel, they were to be anathema, the strongest word of damnation in the Greek. 
Colossians 2.18 says people worship angels. Carlos Santana set the biggest concert about 10, 13 years ago in Mexico City and propagating his doctrine of angel worship. It's a new age doctrine. They're demons. Pastors even have written books how angels came and talked to them and gave them the new revelation. Demons. You need to know the word of God. The message of perversion is always in reference to the person of Jesus Christ. Always. His person and his work. His humanity will be attacked. Saying that he wasn't God in the flesh. Yet John 1.14 says, The word became flesh and we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. His deity will be attacked. John 1.1 in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and God was the Word. Philippians 2, 5, he says, Let this mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery, but he emptied himself and became a servant to the death of the cross. The Word being, there is an antecedent condition. He was God before he came, he was God when he was here, and he's God when he left. What else can you be when you're God? Real simple. So they're always going to attack the humanity of Jesus or the deity of Jesus, because if you get rid of his humanity, then you've got no connection between God and man. If you get rid of his deity, then you've only got a man dying. You must have the God-man. No other name given under heaven and earth whereby we must be saved. Acts 4.12 The words of Jesus on the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father by me. John 14.6 The claim of Jesus about salvation by grace through faith apart from works is crucial. Even as he speaks to Paul in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and 9. It is not based on where I do not work for my salvation. I'm abiding in Jesus Christ. I lean wholeheartedly on the atoning work of Jesus Christ, his death, his resurrection for me, and that I've been absolved of all my sins by the blood of Jesus Christ and nothing else. I am complete in him. In him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily, Colossians 2, 9, and 10. I can add nothing to it. The scriptures are the testing grounds for something to be authentic or not. Acts 17, 11, be a Berean, a good Berean, checking it out. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture given by inspiration of God. The perversion in the apostasy is the result of deceiving spirits and what? Doctrines of demons. That's still going on today. Periodic times will come. And so Paul has proclaimed to us the clear warning of the future period of apostasy to come in order to be better prepared to defend the faith, to pray and serve and oversee. The person revealing the apostasy is the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. The period affected by the apostasy is the latter times, which are seasonal throughout the period of the last days. And the perversion of the apostasy is through deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons through false teachers. People, the church is full of false teachers today. I hope you can discern that. I hope you're walking in the light. I hope you're pressing towards the mark. I hope you're being filled with the Spirit and walking in the Spirit. I hope you're keeping your accounts short. I hope you're falling in love with Jesus more and more each day. I hope the Word of God is burning in your heart. I hope you have a worldview for the lost. I hope that you make use of the peace that pass all understanding for your situations of life from day to day. These are the benefits of the children of God. 
through his word and his spirit. Pastor Xavier Reese and the importance of walking in the truth of God's word. And if you'd like to hear today's study once again or share it with a friend, the title to request is Departure from the Faith. We can send you a copy on CD for just $4. And this will also include what we studied the last time we were together. Now, once again, the title to ask for is Departure from the Faith, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please, it's very helpful when you include the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This helps us check on the impact of this outreach in your area. How do we keep the leaders of the church in check? Learn more when you join us for the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 